you see anyone with a gun? Can you safely pull over and notify the police? It impresses me at how quickly they can analyze what the citizens need and send them the resources to match their needs. Can you answer the call? Hey, Snohomish County. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. I'm real excited today. I have a couple representatives from Snohomish County 9 and 1. We're going to tell every, we're going to tell the entire community about what that means, what they do, um, are their jobs available right now, which is a big thing in public safety. And one of the things that we want to do with this, this podcast is it's all about one transparency and two community engagement for us. And we're trying to bring things to the community that are kind of behind the scenes, things that aren't talked about often in public safety, but we want the community to know about because I think transparency is paramount in everything that we do in, in public sector uh, work these days. So today I have with me Andy and Damien. Thank you for joining me today. And we always start with introductions. And I told you kind of when we were talking before, I like to keep things light a little bit to keep the community involved and engaged in this stuff. So if you could just start me, Andy, we'll start with you a little bit about yourself, how you got involved in this work, and then we'll get more into the meat of like what you guys are doing every day and things like that. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, I'm Andy. I'm the director of operations at Snohomish County 911, or we might refer to it as Snow 911. Um, I've been in the business for about 28 years, started as a dispatcher in Southern California, uh, one man show type place where I was the only dispatcher on duty at times, so that was interesting. Uh, worked in Southern California for a few years, came up to Washington in 1999, and started working in Bellevue at what is now NORCOM 911. Um, as a dispatcher and then a supervisor, later in 2012, promoted to operations manager at SNOCOM, which we'll talk about a little bit later, was the one of two 911 centers in Snohomish mm -hmm. County. Uh, was an operations manager there up until consolidation, which we'll again talk about later, but uh, at uh, Snohomish County 911, was an operations manager there and promoted to director of operations in November of 2019. Cool, thanks for being yeah, here today, yeah. appreciate it. You got it. Damien, you're up. Tell us a little got bit about how you got into this job and what do you do now? Well, thanks, uh, thanks for having us, Sheriff. Uh, my name is Damien, the uh, recruiting coordinator for Snohomish County 911. I've been here for almost two years, uh, and I came on this job after 24 years in the Marine Corps, um, retired from the Marine Corps, got into human resources, and wanted to find a job where I could continue to, to support the community and, and serve the public. So I got into, uh, got lucky and got into this job at Snohomish County 911. Cool. When did you start? Uh, I started in September of 2020. Okay. When you figure out the whole recruiting thing, could we have another discussion after that? Could you oh, let absolutely. Me know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Cool. Yeah. So I'm not going to let you off that easy too. Okay. You mentioned 24 years in the Marine Corps. Yes. That's a personal interest to me. Mm -hmm. um, what did you do in the Marines? So I was uh, primarily in the infantry. I spent most of my career uh, in infantry units. Uh, I spent two tours as a drill instructor, and my last tour was the sergeant major of the recruiting station uh, here in Seattle. Uh -oh. So. I was in the senior enlisted for recruiting for Washington, Idaho, and Montana. Wow, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. What did you think of being a drill instructor? Uh, I loved it. Yeah? Uh, yeah, it was some of the hardest work I ever did. Uh, is you know, seven days a week, you know, for 12 weeks uh, at a time. And then you get a week, sometimes two weeks off, and then do it again for another three months. Um, it was a, uh, it was good. It was a good time. It was a good, right. good tour. Good. Well, thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate it. Appreciate that. Um, but I got to get back on track cause that's not what we're here to talk about. Right. So I told you I might get off track every now and right. then. Um, so 
Snow 901, mm -hmm. I want to talk about your background, kind of what does it mean? And I think some people might have a misconception because they see things maybe across the country. Sometimes uh, the sheriff's office is, runs the dispatch center and they wear a, you know, a sheriff patch or a police agency patch. That's not how we do it in Snohomish County, though. You guys are kind of your own, your own entity, but just talk about that a little bit and kind of where you're located and things like that. Yeah, so you're right. Um, throughout the country, it, it varies. It can be uh, an extension of the police department, the sheriff's office, a fire department. Uh, for us, we are kind of a standalone entity, and we have what we call member agencies. So the sheriff's office is a member agency. Uh, we dispatch for all the law enforcement and fire agencies in the county. And um, I guess history-wise, I mentioned it a little bit in the intro, but uh, prior to 2018, there were two 911 centers in the county. So we had Snowcom, uh, which was the southwest portion of the county, um, Edmonds, Linwood, Mount Lake Terrace, that area, um, dispatched for a few fire departments and police departments. And then Snowpack was the larger of the two centers. Uh, here in Everett, they dispatched for the balance of the county uh, agencies. So um, after many years of discussion back and forth, um, a decision was made to go ahead and consolidate in 2018. So we did that January 1st. We worked uh, in our separate locations for a few months and then physically came together at our current facility in uh, South Everett, off Everett Mall Way uh, in May of 2018. So we're coming up on our, our four-year anniversary of being physically all together. So we're really big. Um, we've got 103 uh, dispatcher wow. positions, 16 supervisors, four of which are in our training office. And then we have three operations managers, a data analyst, and an operations systems coordinator, which is a really important position because they help maintain and, and um, take care of the, the, the essential systems that we use every day. And then, of course, my position. So that's our operations section. We have a total of 164 employee, employees agency-wide, but you can see that the operations really is the majority of our employees. So is it safe to say that along with the Snohomish County is growing like crazy, um, that you guys have grown as well? So you mentioned at, at your opening that uh, you got your start in kind of a, a one-person show yeah. in California. That's not Snow County 901. No. Big operation, right, for a very big, large county. Yep, very big operation. Um, we're always growing and innovating, so we're always taking on exciting projects, and so... Um, yeah, we have seen ourselves evolve, especially adding the radio system, and we're always looking ahead. It's really nice. I mentioned that we have a data analyst. We brought her on just a couple years ago, and that's just been invaluable not only for our agencies, but for us to have someone where we can go and, and just easily see what's our call volume like, what are our trends down to the hour, you know, down to the day, so that we can make really informed decisions. And so we <clears throat> currently are actually doing a staffing analysis just to make sure that uh, our staff are supported the way they need and we have enough staff uh, and looking ahead to see where we need to go. So, so um, I want to talk about, we're, we're going to talk about recruiting, but I think I'm going to skip ahead and talk about kind of what you guys do on like a day-to-day, -day, we said a kind of a day in the life up. I think that's cool because I, I don't think too many people know about that. And I even mentioned earlier, a lot of uh, deputy sheriffs or police officers that get into this business don't know. 
until we come into your center and we see what you're doing. And I think we had, back when I started in 96, we had to spend four hours. Some of the best four hours I ever spent there because you got to see what was happening on the back end. And sometimes police officers and deputy sheriff can have an edge to us on the radio, right? But when you see on the back end of that, I re that stuck with me my whole career. So that was, that was a big deal for me. But for those people, because we're going to talk about recruiting in just a second, give them a kind of a glimpse into what, what you guys do every day. So, yeah, so a dispatcher, uh, you know, just a normal person like you and me, leaves their house, comes on in, clocks in, and sits down. And we have a few functions in the center that they can do. Uh, one is 911 call taking. One is police or law dispatching and fire dispatching. So uh, most of our staff are trained to do all three. Uh, we have people in various stages of training that, that can do one or two of, or, you know, of the, the few. Um, but basically, they come in and just see where they're assigned that day. So there's a little variety there, right? And so if they're the call taker, they just they sit down, they log into their systems, get caught up on their emails, any informational bulletins that have come out, uh, log into what we call CAD, which is computer-aided mm -hmm. dispatch. That's kind of the heart and soul of everything that we do. And log into the phone system, and they're on. They're live. I think it's probably an important note for people to know that in most cases, the person that you're talking to when you call 911 is not necessarily the person that's dispatching the help. So a lot of times people get, obviously they're upset, <clears throat> excuse me, um, they're uh, in distress. And sure, so yeah. as we ask questions, they're thinking naturally that the longer I talk to you, the longer it's gonna take for you to send someone. It used to be, in some, t in some cases, I think sometimes people think even that we're the ones responding. Like, get off the phone, get in your police car, oh, come, yeah. right? Um, but that's just not the case. So important note that the person you're talking to is going to ask you questions, unless it's a completely uh, low-priority call. You're going to get asked a series of questions, and that does not delay the help. What happens is that call taker is talking to you. They've entered the details of the call. They've categorized it. And as soon as that call has a valid address and what we call a type code, so what's going on there? Is it a theft, a burglary, uh, emergency medical call? That call is forwarded to the dispatcher. Um, as an industry, we're working to get better with location accuracy, okay. but we're, we're not quite there yet 100% of the time. So a lot of times, people are used to that, right? They check in on Facebook, they call for an Uber, and their phone, it gets the device location, the phone knows right where they are exactly, sometimes to the point. And we're just, we, we don't get that on every call. We do have the ability to get that on certain wireless okay. calls. Uh, but we, we just don't always get it. So we ask what your location is or your address. It's really important that people know that. And then we might ask you to repeat. And it's not because we didn't hear you. It's not because we're not paying attention. It's just that we want to make sure that the tools we have are right and we're sending the, the help to you right the first time. Well, and we're all human beings, right? right. And it can be stressful because <laughs> um, I, I was thinking while you were talking, it's it, people aren't calling 911 if it's a great and beautiful day for them, right? <laughs> no, it's, no. it's And sometimes it could be the worst day of right. their lives. And as a human being on the other end at, at Snow 911, they're trying to process everything mm -hmm. too and get the proper help. And right. Damien, you mentioned... Uh, you know, after your time in the Marine Corps, that it, it, public service was important to you. And we'll get into recruiting a little bit here. But 
it, it absolutely is a public service what you guys are doing. None of this public safety stuff that we do at the sheriff's office or the calls that you get at Snow Nine, none of it happens unless you guys are there on the other end of the phone when someone calls 911. So it is absolutely a public service. And that's kind of a little bit of part of the, this podcast today is to generate some interest in the public out there. Because I know there's people like Damien out there who have maybe they're in the private sector right now and they're looking for a little bit, a, a way to maybe give a little bit more back to their community. This is a great way to do it. Um, if you are good with talking to people, you know, answering the phones when it might not be, like I said, the best day of someone's life, right? Um, that could be an opportunity for someone. Um, talk about the public service aspect, maybe both of you just a little bit. The, the public service aspect uh, is what draws a lot of people into the agency. So a lot of the uh, people that apply for dispatch positions or even all the supportive roles that we have with, uh, you know, Andy talked about SIRS and mm -hmm. with all the radio technicians and uh, our tech department has grown and we've added a couple of tech positions the last couple of years. Um, and all of those folks come in uh, with the desire to serve the public and be a part of their community. And, uh, you know, not all of them want to be dispatchers, and yep. but they but they want to find a, a role to, to serve their community. And most of them can, can make more money in the private sector, um, but that's not what they're looking for. Okay. Um, yeah, and then I, I think people come into this and, and they get intimidated, I think, anything in public safety related mm -hmm. with the hiring process. That's yeah. definitely true on our side of the house. I think it's probably true with you guys. Most but definitely. really, there's, I don't think there's a reason to be intimidated. We, we will talk to, or I know, we will, and I, mm -hmm. I'm assuming you guys do, you'll let everybody know ahead of time what the process is. But can you guys just talk a little bit, either one of you, maybe you since you're doing the recruiting mm -hmm. stuff, what, what's the process like to become uh, basically an employee of Snow 901? So the, the process starts with public safety testing. Okay. Um, and we have a dispatcher exam that candidates take. And it's a cognitive abilities exam. You don't have to have any experience in dispatch. You don't have to know anything about it. Uh, it really just tells us if you have the cognitive abilities to be trained in this position because we provide all of the training. Um, so once you take that exam, you know, type 40 words a minute, you know, score 75% or higher on PST's exam. Then uh, fill out the application. We set you up with an interview. Uh, the interview goes well, and then everything looks good. Then we get you into the polygraph and the background investigation. And that's where a lot of people get intimidated, and a lot of people yeah. are like, you know, like hey, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a police officer. I'm not joining the FBI. Like, why do I <laughs> have good, to? Yeah. Like, why do I have to take yeah. this polygraph? Well, it's a, it's a public safety position, and I, me as an HR guy, as a recruiter, I took the polygraph. I went through the entire process with the exception of the dispatcher exam. I didn't have to take that, but I did everything else, the background investigation and all that. Uh, but it's important that you, that you do that because if you come in and do this job, you have access to criminal justice databases. Oh, yeah. and you have access to so much personal, private information on people that are calling that we wanna make sure that we have the right people uh, in those roles with access to that information. So. And the polygraph definitely can be intimidating. It is, yes. I don't care who you are, yeah. Every time. it, it <laughs> yeah. is, right? But this is my <laughs> advice for anybody <laughs> is, is we all make stupid decisions mm -hmm. earlier in life, maybe things like that. Um, and and my, my, what I tell people is there's not much that can keep you out of this profession, but if you try to hide it or try to lie about it, right. that's going to get you every single time. Right. I think people would be surprised. And I remember sitting in, in my background in 1996 going through here, just sitting down. I told them everything. 
Yeah. And so when I went into my polygraph, it was like, there's not much they could throw at me that I haven't, you know, I mean, there's <laughs> right. just nothing. So I went yeah. in kind of confident, I think, to my polygraph. <laughs> and I just say that because I think people think polygraph, like, oh man, they're looking at, we're not looking to trip anybody up. Right. Just be honest and open about your past. And it's okay. Because like I said, we have all done stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much that can keep you out of it, but just be open and honest about it. Exactly. And that's what I tell a lot of the candidates when they, when they're like, hey, well, you know, I made some mistakes. Like, yeah, we all did. Who didn't? Yep. Um, we don't have a zero defect mentality, you know, uh, but what we are looking for is somebody that's going to be upfront and honest about the mistakes that they've made in the past. Huge part, huge Um, part of the job. That is the biggest thing. You know, anybody that doesn't make it through the polygraph, very rare is it because of what we found out. It's because that somewhere along the process, uh, they weren't truthful with, with everything that happened. Same on our side. Yeah. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it does kind of bring up a funny story for me starting really young. When I started in California, I was 18. And so as I've gone to different jobs, I've had to take these, these polygraphs and I was young and I didn't have a lot of life experience and (laughs) I got into law enforcement. So I didn't luckily make a lot of the mistakes. And honestly, that didn't really trip me up, but the polygraphers were always stumped. Like, okay, you got there's you really nothing okay come on you yeah. know so to your point uh, they're expecting something yep. and as long as you're truthful i think that's that's great all right so we talked about the process are you guys hiring right now we absolutely are hiring okay right i now, thought that might yeah. be the case so. <laughs> yeah. yeah right now we have uh we have 12 dispatch positions open uh as of today uh we have a few people in in background in the hiring process for those positions uh, but because of the polygraph and the background and how long it takes, you know, by the time those folks get through it, even if I had 12 in the process, which I don't right now, but even if I did, um, there'd probably be, you know, a couple more positions by the time they got through the process. So it takes about three months to get through the whole process from interview to start date. Um, and, uh, we have 12 dispatch positions, like I said, and we have one part-time administrative assistant position open. Okay. Um, this, this is a challenging position to fill because, uh, a lot of people are like, you, you want me to do a polygraph and a background to work 25 hours a week? Uh, the answer is yes, uh-huh. we do. Yeah. Um, because part of that position is public records, um, and, you know, listening to recorded 911 calls and helping the records department with the public records requests. So they're going to have access to a lot of that same information. So even though it is a part-time role, 25 to 30 hours a week, same background process for that but we compensate pretty well for that um you know the uh dispatchers will start as of july 1st the pay starts at 28.67 an hour Um, and the uh medical benefits and we have deferred compensation and we have deferred compensation match as well as pers retirement so retirement plans are fantastic so the work's challenging Uh, the process to get into the job is is a little cumbersome uh, but it's worth it because you get to help your community uh, and you get a pretty good uh, pack compensation. Well, and package. not only that, but you guys are there every step of the way. You don't just take Absolutely. someone in a snow and throw them into, hey, answer this phone. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you're there, right? Yeah. It's a process. No. So it, if there's someone is. out in our community thinking, well, I, I can see your point about public safety mm-hmm. and I kind of want to get into this. It's not like you're hired one day and you're sitting behind a computer answering phones and right. dispatching police mm-hmm. or fire. It's a, it's a process and you guys are there with them every step of the way. It is. And the training process, um, you know, we're, we're going to put you in a classroom environment first. Uh, so you, on day one, you meet our, uh, ins- our, our instructors and supervisors that work uh, at OTS, and, and they're going to train you on how to take 911 calls first in a classroom setting for about two and a half weeks. 
And then after the classroom, we're going to put you on the dispatch floor and you're going to be sitting just like this side to side by side with a uh, CTO. So you're going to have somebody training you. You're going to listen to the CTO. You're going to observe them to do calls. And then you're going to take calls and the CTO is going to be right there with you the whole the whole way. Uh, guiding you through sometimes taking over the call if it's not going well you know cto will jump in and then after the call say hey this is what you were doing this is why i had to jump in mm -hmm. this is how we need to to correct it going forward but the training is very in-depth um, side by side uh, until you're certified and comfortable to to do it on your own and then we rinse and repeat a similar process for police dispatch and fire dispatch okay. so we put you back in the classroom put you back on the floor with the cto and go through the training until you can, until you can do it on your own. So it can take as few as nine months, or, or you know as much as you know 14, 15 months to get certified in all three. Uh, but we absolutely do uh, very comprehensive training through the whole process. Yeah, and we have some, you know, certainly defined benchmarks as far as where people are in their progress and their training. And you know, we we do monitor those. But that said, you're getting feedback the whole way. You're, we're not going to throw you the wolves mm -hmm. and just say, well, you know, you worked eight hours on the, the sheriff's uh, south frequency and you're fine. You know, <laughs> that said, we can't hold people and say, well, we can't let you be on your own until you've handled a armed robbery. You know, we just try to train people the foundation that will help them succeed because, you know, people can go their whole careers without getting certain kind of calls yeah yeah it's just a, a big variety and that i would say to uh, a perk that's not a benefit or a financial perk for me when i was a dispatcher and um, i certainly think about this daily and miss it in my position is you don't have where you leave for the day you leave for your weekend you leave for your vacation there's nothing piling up on your desk. Oh, yeah. You may have a lot of emails, uh, but you can work your way through those. You basically, like I said, when we're talking about the day, you, you come in, it's a it's a clean slate for your day, and you either sit down at a call-taking position, just start taking what's coming in, or you pick up from the dispatcher, like I said, and then when you leave, you just turn it over. And so certainly that's not to minimize any of the the emotional aspects of the calls that, that do stay with people, and, and we can sure. talk a little bit about um, focusing on wellness too, but... Um, as far as just workload, you know, you just kind of leave it at the door when you leave. And, and that's, that's kind of nice, I think, for people. So you mentioned wellness. That's kind of near and dear to my heart because we're mm -hmm. working a lot mm -hmm. on that within the sheriff's yeah. office right now. Really, mm -hmm. law enforcement and public safety nationwide, I think, because the last couple of years have been tough on everybody for various reasons. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to figure out better ways that we can take care of our employees when it comes to that. Is there some specific stuff that you guys are, are working on? Because well, it, it could be hard. I mean, you mentioned you know stressful calls. It's, it's going to happen. I mean, we're here at this podcast to talk about anything and everything, but we're trying to encourage people to come into this business. That's what we want. Um, but there's there's ways that I think that you guys can help employees. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right. I mean, we ask a lot of our, our people, mm -hmm. um, you know, to hear a lot of things, to, to remain calm through a lot of things. So we we understand. I think as an industry, uh, just like law enforcement, 911 is really starting to focus on wellness. So what we currently have in place is we have an in, uh, internal peer support team. We're connected with a couple other 911 centers, such as NORCOM, that have peer support teams. And sometimes when we have big incidents, we'll help each other out. Uh, we'll, we'll deploy to their center and vice versa. And in fact, that happened recently. Um, and we also are connected with an organization called Code 4 Northwest. Oh, we yeah. have a mental health professional that we can call that sort of... Uh, we, the in, internal peer support tries to handle most things, but when there's red flag behavior or there's... Um, 
you know, anything that we just have a question about, we have an MHP mental health professional that we can call and consult with and, yep. and they can get us some resources and help. In addition to that, um, again, with COVID, it, it sort of dwindled a little bit, but we are looking to reestablish uh, some regular um, visits by chaplains and other support agencies that help uh, the public safety agencies. So just having the presence and the availability for our staff um, on hand, um, you know, we're looking at, we have a committee, an employee engagement committee, and part Very of good. that is wellness. And there are some benefits that our um, insurance providers actually mm -hmm. provide for actual like physical wellness, um, mindfulness. So we're just kind of trying to look at all aspects and then, and just, you know, you can't really replace the people aspect. If, yeah, you the know, human being. Yep. We as administrators or, you know, operations, we know, we get notified when there's a big call, right? Yep. So just making sure that someone's reaching out and saying, hey, is everything okay? You can't you can't really replace that. And and then, so we, we're just trying to be present and check in with our folks. And then we have all those resources in the background that we can, that we can bring in if we need to. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So we've been talking about people out in our community calling 911, but every so often... 911 calls our community in the form of a reverse 911 call, if you will. Yeah. Um, I've only seen it happen a couple times in my career, so it's not something that happened often, but you could see it happen, especially in, in a growing county. Yeah. Um, what the heck is it? What does that mean? Reverse 911 call? Uh, you hear it uh, referred to as reverse 911. You hear it rever uh, referred to as community notification, alert systems. Um, that's, that's really what it is. Um, if, if there's some sort of threat or concern, uh, such as like a hazmat situation or something like that in the community where we want to get the word out right away, that's some, a tool at our disposal. And so the dispatch supervisors can um, handle those, uh, but we also work with our partners at uh, DEM, Department of Emergency Management. They can also send those out for us. Um, so sometimes we do send them out. It's, it's pretty rare. Yeah. But especially nowadays, people are suspicious of scams and those sorts oh, of things. Yeah. So if they get a call, oftentimes we'll end up getting flooded with calls saying, is this real? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, the following business day, I think you guys probably get calls. Um, so I guess what I would just say is that uh, if you get something that says, you know, it's coming from, you know, snow coat alerts or something else like that, that just says, you know, here's a situation you need to shelter in place or whatever like that. Just just follow the direction. If you have access to social media or the internet, you can usually, if we're doing that, there's probably other yeah. information out there. So you can verify that way without having to make a phone call to 911. Um, so you can go on to smart911.com or the Snow 911 website. There's mm -hmm. some links to it as well. You can opt in for those community alerts, but you can also create, it's called a safety profile. And so it's really great in today's day and age where people don't have landlines as a general rule. And so what you can do is you can go in and enter your name, address, phone number. Um, you can upload pictures. You can um, you can say where your where your work address is, emergency contacts. Um, I have a three year old, so I put down that she's at the daycare yeah. a lot. You know, put that address. Yeah. So um, in case anything ever happened to me. Basically, what happens is if there's a, a profile associated with your phone number, when you call 911, the dispatch center uh, is alerted to that. There's actually a link that goes in the call for service that the responding units can click on to see your information. And so it goes beyond much more than just contact information. You can enter medical information. You can enter mobility issues, safety issues, um, and those will be flagged. Um, like I said, in the call for service. And so it, it's helping the citizen, but I think it's 
really helping the responder sure. because you know you may get a call of someone acting irrationally, but if if you get a flag that they have a, a disorder or disease or they're dealing with something in their life, you know, perhaps you take that into consideration uh, when you're responding. There could be more going on here, and and sort of um, sort of respond from that perspective. Sure. So, so we really encourage people to go in there and set it up. Uh, the information is kept um, confidential, and also one good thing that Smart Dining One One does is if you haven't logged in and looked at your profile, at six months they'll send you an, an email and they'll give you a couple chances and. Mine may or may not be uh, <laughs> active right now, but if you don't re- <laughs> if you don't respond and you don't uh, at least log on and say, "Yep, this is good," they'll deactivate your profile. So if I were to call nine one one right now, my profile wouldn't come up. So um, it's nice because it's uh, accurate information. We have other ways to track information. Sometimes we get that from responders. They'll say, "Hey, can you put this gate code on this address?" Oh, yeah. And then we all forget about it, and it lives there and it's probably not right. So the beauty of this is that um, the citizen is the one deciding what they wanna share, and, and they're the one that's validating it about every six months. So it's, it's a really great program, and we really encourage a lot of people to sign up for that. Cool, so we've covered a lot of ground. I'm gonna to start to wrap up, but uh, I think I know, but I wanna know what you guys think. What the heck is the busiest day of the year for you guys? <laughs> what do you guys think? Fourth of July. Absolutely, yep. Fourth of July. Interestingly enough, though, um, was it last year that we had the heat wave uh-huh. right before 4th oh. of July? Uh, one of the days of the heat wave just blew 4th of July out of the water for like the last three years of 4th of July and the 2021 4th of July. That heat wave day really, really bumped us. But every other time, it's 4th of July. So I'm going to let the community know we are not here to talk about fireworks because there are <laughs> strong opinions on each side of that issue. I'm not going down that road today. Um, but it is the one time of the year that I've ever seen the sheriff's office actually put somebody in the Snow 901 Center to help with the call load. Not not doing what you guys do, right. but so they can just directly respond with the overwhelming amount of calls that we get on something like the 4th yeah, of July. Yeah, we do get overwhelmed and, you know, not to not to make a statement about fireworks, but I would take the opportunity <laughs> to say if you are reporting fireworks on or around the 4th of July and you have a concern, if it's not life-threatening um, or a threat to property, if you could please just not call 911 and call our non-emergency number, you're going to probably be queued. You're probably going to probably have to wait, but we just really need to keep the 911 lines clear for life-threatening emergencies. I think we just led into a whole nother podcast (laughs) about fireworks (laughs) and what to do. do, Will the police respond? Hmm, Maybe we could uh, think about doing that in the future. Um, Anyway, so I want to thank you guys and I want to encourage people. So we talked about you guys, a lot of people have job openings, but you guys do. It's a good job. It's a good, good career. Um, We talked about, you know, the the initial process can be a little intimidating, but don't, don't let it intimidate you. You, you can get through it. These folks are here to walk you through the whole process. And then once you're there, it's a great career to have. And it's a career in public safety. So I know through my 25 years of, of working the road, I mean, it, it wouldn't happen without us working hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have so appreciated your dispatchers over the years and everything they've done for us, getting us safely to these calls, providing the information. It's a huge deal. And we have to continue to work hand in hand. Yeah. So I think that's a good thing. Um, I just want to thank you guys for being here. Thank you for your service to the community. Thank you for your service to the Marine Corps, sir. That's a big deal. And anything else you want to end on, now's your chance if you want to. Well, if, any, if anybody has any concerns over uh, your ability to do the job of 911 dispatching, feel free to email me. Um, that is, I, I get paid to answer your questions. And so. we'll put all that on the screen mm-hmm. so everybody has the informa- yeah. contact information and things like that. And I think, well, no, I don't think. I know you guys are working on a really cool video. 
Yes. And so yeah. we're going to try to link that. I don't know if we'll get yeah. to it or not, but we're going to try to, if not, people in, out in the community can look for that in the n- near future as well. Yeah, if it doesn't make it on the podcast, definitely follow us on social mm-hmm. media. We have Facebook, Instagram. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Yeah. Oh, So cool. we'll be putting yes. that up if it doesn't make it in the podcast. And the only other thing I'd offer if there's any stats people out there is I did bring some 2021 stats to just show kind of how busy we are and what, what we do. And so in 2021, we answered over 472,000 911 calls, 165,000 non-emergency calls. We dispatched almost 600,000 police calls and over 100,000 fire calls. Wow. So that's a lot. lot. The county's growing growing. like crazy. So, and we're all trying to keep up in public safety. Mm -hmm. So, well, thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate your time again. Thank you both for your service and we'll put your contact information on this podcast on the screen so people have it and we'll go from there. All right. Perfect. All right. Thank you guys. All right. Thank you.